Hey there, before we get into the episode, I gotta tell you, if you're listening live, the Decision Masters program is enrolling. The final round of 2022 begins October 24th, but spots are limited, so when we're full, we're full. So if you're ready to end the overthinking habits that keep slowing you down and really ground into what matters right now so you can make cleaner, faster decisions, book your free consult ASAP, and we'll talk all about it. All the details are at kirstenparker.com forward slash DMP. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. You guys, Maggie Reyes is in the house today. I'm going to do the shortest intro ever so that you can get to the juice of our conversation because we may or may not have tried to cram three conversations worth into one single interview, and that's okay. We laugh a lot in this episode. (laughs) There are a lot of giggles and there's uh, a lot of metaphors. Our metaphor game was on point this day, so mm, enjoy. I worked with Maggie for six months inside her marriage MBA program, and it was life-changing. And she's also just a ray of sunshine, and I'm so grateful to have her on the podcast today. So I'm just going to introduce Maggie, and then I'm going to get to the episode. Maggie Reyes is a life coach and modern marriage mentor who specializes in helping driven, ambitious women create their best marriage without waiting for their partners to change or adding more work to their lives. She is the creator of the Marriage MBA program, the author of the best-selling Questions for Couples journal, and the host of the Top 100 The Marriage Life Coach podcast. And when she isn't teaching or coaching, she loves obsessing over Bridgerton, reading fan fiction, and watching superhero movies and Mexican rom-coms with her hubby. Maggie. Hi, Kirsten. <laughs> and we're on as I'm writing the notes. This is the real thing, everybody. Hi. Let's get started. Um, yes. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm always so excited to talk to you. Same. <laughs> Maggie was my marriage coach, was slash is for life. <laughs> and also like business mentor, inspiration, uh, and also like great example in the world of being a real human, I think, which I find just heartwarming and delightful. She's a Bridgerton mega fan. She is a feminist. <laughs> she is a Cuban American. Am I getting everything right so far? I love it out? so much. I'm like, oh, I've been talking about these things. So you know them. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell everyone like, what is the marriage coach? That's a thing? <laughs> That's a thing. That is so fun. That is a thing. Hey, everyone. First of all, such an honor and such a joy to be in Kirsten's world with all of you to spend this time together. I can assure you, whether you're in a relationship or not, you're going to get a lot about a lot out of what we talk about. Because when I think about relationships, I always think about when you make one relationship better, all the other relationships get better too. So just heads up, whether yeah. it's with a coworker, a friend, um, whether it's a vendor or someone that works for you or someone you work for, just listen for the gold because I'm sure there's going to be some. So uh, with that being said, hi, uh, I'm a marriage coach. What is that? So a marriage coach is really, if you think about, I think about this a lot with baseball, right? Um, in baseball, you have the team doctor and you have the team coach. And when the leg is broken, you call the doctor. The team coach cannot do anything about a broken leg. Mm. And so if I think sometimes about like, what is a marriage therapist versus a marriage coach or how, like, how do they contrast and compare? It's like, when you're thinking about something that needs like medical attention, that needs a diagnosis, that needs a treatment plan, yeah, that's the team doctor in baseball, right? When you want to win the game, right? 
that's the team coach. I love that. <laughs> so a marriage coach is like, some things are a little bit off. You know, it's not quite dire, although several of my clients combine therapy and coaching as well. Sometimes you see the team doctor, right? And yeah. you see the team coach. Both of them are helping you in different ways. Um, but basically, in my role as a marriage coach, what I do is I help type A women like Kirsten. I always say, if your checklists have checklists, yeah. you're my person. If you've ever written something on the checklist that you already did, yep. <laughs> just to have the thrill of checking it off, that's my person. How do I know? Because that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I help type A women love checklists, um, have better marriages, be happier at home, just find what their best marriage is, and then decide what they want to do with that. That's the nutshell answer. She says as she has like both of her checklists. Just ready and here. Oh my gosh. Okay. We have so much to talk about. Maggie showed up today for our conversation was like, what are we talking about? And I was like, obviously I have a list. Um, But I want to start with core values Yeah, because it's something that people who listen to this podcast have heard before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like it's a really, it's part of the, the concept I teach for like your the foundation of decision making is your decision mm-hmm. anchor. It's like mm-hmm. how do I drop anchor and ground into like who I am and what I know and where I'm going mm-hmm. so that every decision gets easier. And core values is one of those components. Yeah. And you had us talk about core values in our yeah. of our marriage, our values for our marriage on the very first day. Yes. So yes, I, yes. talk to us about that. Like you can have core values for specific areas of your life. What? Like, yes. What yeah. So I've heard it taught so many different ways. So I come from an HR background where values is something we talk about as a company. What are our company values? Like all those kinds of things. And when I think about values, there are people who say, just pick your top three and apply them to everything in your life or your top five or whatever. And I'm cool with that. Like anything works if you work it. So whatever you want to do, I'm cool with it. But what I like to do when you come into my space, because we're talking about your relationship is to think about what are your values? And then what are your values in your relationship? What are your values as an individual? And what are your values that you want to, you want to prioritize in your marriage? And the reason that I do two is because what I see a lot in long-term relationships, so if you've been with someone 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, Mm. you start collapsing yourself, yourself as like capital S self with the relationship. So we want to separate that out. What are your values that matter to you as an individual? How do we start thinking about you as an individual unit inside this team? And then very often they overlap, but not always are they exactly the same. So everyone listening, you can think about your values and then you can think about what are the values if you're a professional or if you're building a business or a leader of a team or something like that. What are the values you want that experience to be about? I think that's so helpful because it gives you, I mean, I think of it as an anchor, but it gives you something to like hold on to. Yes. Especially when there's like nine different ways you could react to a situation or nine different like people you could compare your situation to. I love that you think about it as an anchor because I love thinking about being anchored to something and then you tether away from it, but you're yeah. always anchored back to it. Right. And I used to work in the uh, cruise industry. So I love the whole, 
thought of like the, the your ship the ship of your life is anchored to something that you can sail away but you can you'll still come back to that anchor yeah. and then i think about it like a flashlight in the forest yeah tell me so it's like when you come into a situation where you're changing anything significant in your life you will have those moments for sure you will have those moments where you don't know what to do you've never done it before you have no map you have no way of knowing if, so imagine being in the forest at night without a map, right? But it's like a flashlight in the forest. When you have a value, you turn on the flashlight and you're like, the way out is this. So I know Kristen shares really openly, one of her values is like open-heartedness. Mm-hmm. So you're in the forest, the shit has hit the fan. I hope it's okay to say that. <laughs> oh, <Right>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're in the forest, something has gone wrong, right? And you don't know, you don't have a map. And you're like, wait, open-heartedness. Okay, hold on. What would open-heartedness do? What would open-heartedness not do, right? And immediately, you may not solve the whole problem or the whole thing, or you may not like, like get all the way to your destination, but you'll get yourself out of the forest. Yes. And I think that that's such wonderful permission too, that like people like us need to hear all the time every day, which is like the entire problem doesn't need to get solved right now. Oh yeah. Like uh-huh. the whole world issue does not need to get wrapped up in this like single conversation, even if the conversation's only happening in your head. Yeah. We pick like your personal ones and then we pick your, the ones you really want to embody in your marriage. So we pick sort of in two buckets or two categories of things. And then we look, is there an overlap? Uh, sometimes they're at odds. So um, yeah. sometimes one of my highest values is freedom. And then one of the things I want most in my uh, marriage might be security or safety. And then we're like, why am I always so frustrated? Hold on. I highly value freedom and I highly value security. And sometimes these things do not go together. That's so interesting. I'm thinking about the people who listen to this podcast, we probably have like really intense careers, like really intense um, professional lives, whatever they may be, right? And sometimes we have a personal value that might be creativity. I might be 100% into creativity, right? But then at work, I like routine and to know what's expected and to know the rules, right? And then I'm like, oh, now I'm bored at work. Hold on. <laughs> This this, yes. this this moment of separating out me as an individual and then me in relationship to the thing that matters to me. Yeah. This is how it helps you get more clear and then have a way out of the force. So, for example, in that example, mm-hmm. okay, I value creativity and then I value routine and then I'm like bored at work. <laughs> right. And then like, what do I do? I get out of the forest by knowing th- these two things are clashing. How will I adjust? Will I look at routine differently? Will I look at creativity differently? Where I look, will I look for ways I can be creative within my routine? Like it doesn't necessarily mean you can change your job. It just change you just change how you do your job. Yeah, and I think that filter element is so helpful. It's like the flashlight is also a filter. Like how many metaphors can we put in this one episode? We'll find out. We'll, we'll but see. <laughs> it's like otherwise we have no filtration system through which to view or probably judge anything. And it's like the forest is overwhelming. Yeah. It's like only problems, they all seem unsolvable and they all seem like they're happening at once. So this anchor, flashlight, filter, whatever you want to think of it, you pick one. 
helps you simplify everything, which is another one of my core values, like simple ease. Because yeah. it's like if my – and that's what open-heartedness does for me yeah. so much all the time, which it just helps things be simple in my mind because I might not be able to solve the entire like world's problems mm-hmm. in one shot, <laughs> one five-minute period. Yeah. But I can simplify the question of like what do I do next or what do I not do next Yes, by just like grounding into like, well, remember you already decided open-heartedness is of core importance to you. Because that's another easy thing. Knowing your core values in advance and thinking about them, this is like everybody's homework now. Yeah. You think about them in like a peaceful context mm-hmm. when you're not already in the middle of stress or a problem or something. Mm-hmm. You get to like take those with you. It's like packing sunscreen for the beach so that when you get to the beach and it's inevitably hot and you can't find shade and whatever, it's like, oh, I already brought sunscreen. Yes. You already brought a flashlight into the forest. Yes. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. You already decided what's important. So yeah. even if this problem is new, the yeah. value is still there to support you. And if you think about the sunscreen, I, okay, you guys with the analogies, <laughs> just just sit back, relax, yeah, and enjoy the ride. They're going to be more. So um, if you think about the sunscreen, you put it on and it protects you from, from threats you haven't encountered yet. You put it on before the threat has come up. So if you put on your values, you wake up in the morning and you're like open-heartedness, right? Simplicity, love, whatever whatever the thing is you put on, you go out into the world, you already have that. You're already wearing that sunscreen, value sunscreen, right? And then whatever comes at you in this exciting world we live in, you're like, oh, I'm prepared for that. I can handle that. I have my sunscreen on. Yeah. And I feel like type A people like us like don't want it to be that easy because we're like, no, no, that couldn't simply – that couldn't possibly just like help and be – it couldn't be as simple as that. And I think like – yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why type A people like us ha- have difficulty with easy easiness. Yeah. I think that's actually really important. From a relationship perspective, what happens a lot is if you have been in relationships that have a lot of what I call emotional activations – Mm-hmm. A lot of triggers, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of like heightened, all the way amazing and then terrible, right? Whatever that looks like. And everybody listening, think about not just a romantic relationship, but think about a boss, a job, a career, anything that has these heightened, heightened ups and these sort of big dips and, and big heights, right? When you go to something that has more ease, it's steady, so when you go from the rough waters, right, the choppy waters, to something steady, your brain interprets that sometimes as boring. Mm-hmm. That's when, when we know that's happening when you pick a fight when over something stupid. Yeah. Just, just for everybody listening, like, well, what, what does that look like? When you pick a fight for no good reason, it's like your brain is like something hasn't gone wrong. Something is wrong because nothing has gone wrong. Let me make something wrong to make things be okay. Yeah. So I'm back in my familiar waters. Back in my familiar waters. So it's so important if you ever, if you're like, if you feel that, like that ease feels uneasy is to know in advance, put sunscreen on. Oh, when I move from choppy to steady, it will feel new and different and a little wobbly. I'm not used to this, but nothing is wrong here. Yeah. And like put that into the plan. Like it may feel 
It may yeah. feel great and wonderful. Yeah. You may also feel totally uncomfortable and unfamiliar, yeah. which is how change is like supposed to feel. So yeah. know in advance, you might feel this way and nothing has gone wrong. Yeah. I love that. Like as you as you start identifying your core values and as you start using them as flashlights to get out of the forest, as you start making your life easier and your decisions in those moments in your marriage easier or whatever, whatever you're using the values for, like if it gets easy and you get freaked out, it's okay. Yes. Yeah. And I also want to define open-heartedness. So if yeah. you've taken the Clarity Workshop, which is available on my website, then you've taken the core values training. If you haven't okay, cool. Workshop, Pause there. So you're going to yeah. link to it in the show notes for everybody, right? It's available yes. on your website? Okay, just checking. for for On behalf of all of you asking for a friend. Yes. <laughs> Okay, just Obviously, we're going to link in the show notes to everything Love we talked about today. Yeah. Go take the workshop because it's so, so good. And there's a whole module on core values because I just think it's like a gold mine for yeah, clarity, same. for decision-making, for self-awareness. And you get to take such authority over – like goals can be scary and nebulous and like overwhelming. And I find like core values are just like a happy place where you can just be like, I'm in charge of what I want to make important. That's so yeah. fun. Yeah. And so if you've taken that training, you've heard me talk about my core value of happy, open-hearted marriage. Yes. And this is something that I learned from Maggie. It didn't – like this is – I also make always a big deal that – what's the English way of saying that? I always make it a big deal that core values are seasonal. Like they change depending yeah. on like what season you're in. And love I love this example because yeah. I couldn't have had like happy marriage in my values when I was not a married person who valued that. Right. And I couldn't have had open heartedness in there because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But I learned what it was from Maggie. And then I was like, oh, that is a growth area. I'm putting <laughs> it on the list. I want it. Tell us what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. So first of all, growth area. I just imagine that in like neon, bold. Like if we like, had special effects, <laughs> it would be like <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so open heartedness is one of the ways, one of the lenses that I look at things from, it's one of the um, steps in soul-centered communication, which is a really simple communication framework that I teach. Um, which is I also going to be linked in the show notes because oh, I send all of yes. my clients to this episode of your podcast. I love it. Okay, so you all will get it. Um, and the open-heartedness is really something that's inspired by the research from the Gottman Institute around being open to influence from your partner. So what they have found is that couples who thrive, they don't do everything their partner does or, or follow everything their partner wants them to do. But what they do do is they're open to influence. They will consider what the person is saying when they make their decision. That's it. That's what openness is. You will consider. You will really genuinely consider it. I know some of you are like, no, I thought about that, but no, no. <laughs> So it's like you will genuinely look at the thing as an option or as an idea or with curiosity, like without judging it good or bad, just looking at like like a detective, like, oh, what is this about? Why is this here? What's going on? So open heartedness is the idea of number one, being open to influence from this place of love, right? From the, the fuel that fuels open heartedness is like the the loving connection you have with whatever it is. So it could be your boss, it could be a coworker, it could be a family member, it could be whatever it is. And one of the things I teach in the workshop is how will you know when you're not being open-hearted? Like you want to know, 
right? Because we think we are. Yeah. We think, like, I'm open. So how would you answer that question, Kristen, now that I've, like, drilled it into you all these months? How you know if you're open-hearted is if you are huggable. (laughs) Ta-da! And how I knew it was a growth area is when you said that, you were like, you guys, it's super simple. It's not not complicated to know. It's just, are you huggable or not? I was like, oh, my husband's really good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he he tells me I'm not. <laughs> or he's in the past. In this was in this was all in the past. Yes, got better. Yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah, a hundred percent. You got it. Right. And so, just for everyone listening, it's like I could just imagine you thinking of a scenario with someone you might not usually be hugging. Yeah. But that's all right. The idea is like, would you hug them? Like if you. If you were here sitting with us live and we stopped the podcast right now and we just said, hey, everybody, exchange hugs, would you be open to that, right? And if you wouldn't be, it's kind of a way of knowing, you immediately know in the visceral reaction of your body, whether you are or not, it doesn't require, you know, 54 years of introspection. <laughs> just know. And then what happens is it gives you clarity like, oh, here I am talking about this thing where I'm actually not even open to hearing the other yeah. side. And once you have that clarity, now you can decide what you want to do with that. Right. And that's, I'm so glad your program is structured the way it is because it's six months long. So it's, and it like took me, (laughs) I needed that much time to like retrain. And I don't say that in a self-deprecating way too. I think it's like, I needed to retrain my brain and my nervous system Mm -hmm. for like the decades of Mm -hmm. whatever, habits, conditioning, whatever, whatever I landed in this marriage with Mm -hmm. that made me assume you can have one or the other. You can have like connection Mm -hmm. or you can have an argument. Mm. You can stay connected and on the same team or you can like have a negative feeling. You can be upset about something. You can not like something. And like it took your program and like that awareness Mm -hmm. that, oh, this is a growth area. And not in a way also that's not like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. It's like, oh, I'm very interested in this. Like I didn't know people were having disagreements Mm -hmm. and like friction because like two human individuals living in one place means there's going to be stuff that happens. I didn't know people were doing that and not like getting disconnected every single time they had an argument. I was like, what? I didn't even know that you could put – it's like when you find out you can like combine the sodas. Yes. You can mix the cereal. That's You're like, my favorite. You can have, didn't <laughs> like, right? It's like, wait, what? Didn't even occur to my consciousness. Yes. <laughs> so it's not like I had to really understand or learn how to inter- like interpret it in a way that I believed was possible, right? Yeah. Where you can – I can not like something and then my – my animal brain will want to take over and be like, being right about this is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Having everything immediately under your control and in the way you want it is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And for me to recognize, like, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And to remember, oh, you wanted this in the first place. Like, you wanted mm-hmm. to be on this team in the first place. Mm-hmm. He's not the enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all of this stuff. And then, like, really simplify the one thing that was, like, the thing that sparked the disagreement or the frustration or the emotion in the first place, mm-hmm. my brain went so quickly from like whatever it was to like, mm-hmm. now we're at war. 
<laughs> your brain and like everybody else on earth we all do things like this right that idea like and now we're at war right as opposed to wait this is the person you love the most in the world or this is your dream job you always wanted or this is like you're you're in this thing that you're having this reaction to for a reason that somewhere down the line included that you chose it yeah we still didn't get to choose whether we would choose it again, right? That's still part of the conversation. But in the moment, it's like, wait, but, but I chose this, right? Yeah. And just remembering that. And I, and I love how what a clear and vivid picture you, you painted, because I think one of the places we all get stuck is that all or nothing thinking. Like, we either love each other or we're at war. Mm-hmm. We either both agree on this or it's a problem. Like, what if we could just both have our opinions and both keep our opinions? What is that? Yeah. What if that's not a problem to solve? Then what are we – like, then what do you want to yeah. do? Then what? Yeah. And I have it written down. I have it – like, because I tell everybody, you got to write your values down. You got to put them where your eyes can see them every day. Yeah. Just to remind yourself to make it easy. Yeah. Like, you already, deci- you, you already decided who you want to be. You already decided what's important. It just makes every day so much easier. And I love what you said earlier about them being seasonal. Like, when you weren't married, you wouldn't have that value. Like, when you didn't have this situation, you wouldn't prioritize this other thing. I think that's such a useful lens to look at values from because your values can evolve over time. There's times maybe I'm thinking about when we first got married, we bought a house. And at that time, there were things that were really important to us when we bought the house that aren't as important to us now. Right. So, so for example, we had like a little, the house fund and like, I, I'm one of those people that I had plastic patio furniture for my dining room for like a year. And I was like, I'm just going to focus on other things. There's a lot of things when you first buy a house. And I was like, when we get to that, we'll get to that. Right. And I prioritized beauty and comfort. So (sighs) when, when we bought the dining room set, I was like, oh, it has to have really comfortable chairs because we like to sit and talk. It's the thing we do. So imagine, right? So this is for everybody listening, how a value helps you make a decision, right? So my value is connection with my husband and we like to sit and talk and we have lots of different places in our house where we can do that. And I was like, you know, there's some chairs, some dining room table chairs, everybody has seen them that are stunningly beautiful. Very fancy. But if you were actually going to sit there for like an hour, you just wouldn't. Very uncomfortable. Very. So I used my value of connection and beauty, right? Because it couldn't be ugly, but it was like connection and beauty. And I was like, oh, what are the, from that filter, what chairs do I want? What kind of table do I want? And that's how having something like a value that seems a little bit ephemeral can be very grounded and very practical and help you make very real world decisions like what chairs to buy, how much money to spend, when to buy it, all those things. I love it. I love it. When we were talking about our wedding party that we ended up not having because of COVID, but when we were planning it, we were we used the same mechanism because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, my core value for this decision is ease. Mm-hmm. Big on ease. Yeah, love it. We live in LA and you can get on you can rent an empty warehouse if you want and you can like fill yeah. it top to bottom yeah. with like any of the things that you want and I was like I want to walk into a place. That's and done. Be. <laughs> and then his he yeah. his core value was uh food. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. like cuz he's chefy. Yeah. So it was like okay, our powers combined make this decision easier yeah. because it's like great. We know what's off the table. Yeah. Or we know how to how to move things off the table on purpose. Yes. Because it's when like, you oh, have, this isn't a line. 
this isn't go. And I love that you mentioned the, like the party for your wedding, because I think about, the, I use this example sometimes is when you have a core value and you know, yours was ease and his was food, right? It's like, if you walk into party city, if you've ever been into party city, it's a store, it's a store that sells party things. If you're somewhere in the world, that doesn't have it, but they have like for a little girl's party, they have a little boy's party. They have for a baptism, they have for a bachelorette, so whatever, all the different kinds of parties you can have. So once you know, that my color scheme for my party is green and white. Everything that isn't green and white, I don't even have to look at it, think about it, put it into my awareness, spend any time on it at all. I just go straight to that aisle and do that. It's the same with values. It's like you're choosing your party theme. Another analogy, you're choosing your party theme ahead of time. And everything that isn't that, you don't even have to go down that aisle. You don't have to spend any time there. Like, I don't have kids. So I would spend no time in the baby, you know, section, right? Like, I can just walk on down and look for the things I want for my party. Yeah. And I think it helps with our brains, too, because even in those emotional activation moments, like, that's when it's the hardest, right, to, like, be the person you want to be and make the decisions that you would make when your body isn't freaking out in stress. But it does help when I know that, like, I can tell I'm getting antsy about something or I'm getting frustrated about something. The open-heartedness is already in there. So it's like, okay, you may not – there may not be one correct way to react to this. There may not be one perfect sentence to say, but just remember you want to be open-hearted. And it really helps me in those moments not be correct. That was another thing we worked on a lot with my, like, my good student – showing up in the world. But it was like, remember, you want this. Like, remember, Mm -hmm. you want it green and white. So like, Mm -hmm. it just helps color those situations in like the theme that you wanted. Yeah. Obsessed with our analogies. Okay. So the reason I wanted to start with core values too in our conversation is because like we were talking about before we hit record. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about core values Instead of literally anything else, I was like, you guys, Maggie, Maggie's coming to the podcast. Like, we could talk about anything. We could talk about like how to solve problems and how to how to get out of an argument and all these things. And my brain was like, why don't we start with something nice though? Why don't we start with something that we want? That's mm-hmm. not problem focused. Mm-hmm. That's not assuming everything is on fire and we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So like obviously we must need help from an expert. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's start from this place that's really grounded and like expansive and authentic. And that's why I wanted to talk about core values. And then Maggie was like, oh my gosh, I have so much to say about that. <laughs> let's discuss. <laughs> so we talked about the values and then this idea of being problem focused versus solution focused. Mm-hmm. where there's a place for everything in this world. So we don't want all or nothing thinking even around this. So just everyone listening, just take that in. But what I see a lot is people who are very intimately aware of their problems. We don't actually need to talk about them anymore. They're not intimately aware of their solutions. Right. And one of the things that really appeals to me, that calls to me, one of my mentors, her name is Michelle Weiner Davis, She's a very renowned marriage psychologist, amazing person. I got to spend a week with her in Boulder and it was just one of the most amazing, like continuing education experiences that I had. And she was on the team, I don't know, 40 years ago, who knows how long ago, that helped develop brief solution-focused therapy. And I think about brief solution-focused therapy as the grandmother or the godmother 
of the modern coaching that we all, that we do. I'm going to say we all do, but that Kirsten and I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And what I found in understanding a little bit more about that is that in psychology, just in the realm of psychology in general, the realm of studying how our mind works, right? Not our brain, because that would be like the neuroscience, but our mind, right? Um, What used to be the case is people would just look at their problems from every possible angle, right? And you'd have a really keen understanding on your problem, Mm. but you wouldn't leave the session knowing what the heck to do about the problem. And in Brief Solutions Focus Therapy, what they, their hypothesis was, well, what if we just talk about what we want moving forward? Like, what if we focused on that, right? And certainly so many coaching modalities, not just what we do, but so many of them are influenced, are inspired by, are derivatives of that idea of what if we look at what you want, and I'm a big fan of continuing education, as anyone hearing this can tell. And I did, I've done two coach certifications. And one of them was uh, with a wonderful woman named Leila Martin. And her whole coaching framework is desire-based. Mm. It's, 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 what? It's, Hold on. It's, yeah. <laughs> that sounds it's, so selfish. It's sex, love, and relationship coaching. And it's what do you want? Unacceptable question. What is your desire? Crazy. <laughs> Crazy pants. And it's like, how many of us have not even asked ourselves, what do I actually want? We can complain about what we don't want. But if we slow down and it's like, well, what do we actually want? Sometimes that takes a little bit more work than we used to and we resist it. Thousand percent. (laughs) Validating that. And sometimes it's like, wait, oh, I I get to have a say? Hold on. (laughs) I do want things. Yeah. I feel like that's like 85% of the coaching conversations I have, just like yeah. making space for that question because the yeah. it's like, yeah, we get it. The problems, we're they're taken care of. Like yeah. they're they're documented, they're co- recorded, they're on file. Yeah. So what do we want? And yeah. it's like making space for that question to be okay. Yeah. It's another one of those choppy water situations, I think, because we are very comfortable in like yeah. knowing where we are. And even if you like, if you don't like the chop, you get used to it. Yeah. It's like, okay, this problem's over here. This is not working over here. This is like a limitation over here. And then as soon as we're like, wait, can we just like hold out, hang out in the lagoon for a second? Yeah. There's no choppy waters. And let's just like think about what you want. It can be very unsettling. It can be extremely unsettling. It can be I feel like it's when you have a blank canvas and a lot of artists and creative people listen to this podcast. So just imagine the, the blank piece of paper, the blank canvas, whatever your self, mode of self-expression is, that moment when it's blank in many ways feels so much harder often than the moment when you've already written the first draft and all you do is crossing things out and editing and adding. When we go into the blank space of what you want, like anything is possible. Yeah. And sometimes that can feel overwhelming. So I want to just normalize It's okay if it feels overwhelming. Yeah. Option paralysis is what one of my clients called it. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And so getting comfortable with, wait, if I want a life that's filled with my desires and delights, then I have to get comfortable with that kind of discomfort. Yeah. You get to lower the pressure, increase the pressure, depending on what you're up for that day. Right. I think that that's important too. Like, okay, uh, today I don't want to start with a clean page. Today I want to start, you know, 
editing something from before. Great. Yeah. Uh, we talk about this. So this comes up in my coaching so much where it's like we have permission not to answer unanswerable questions. So if oh. your brain has decided it's important for you to know, like, what are you going to be doing in five years? And that's just a question that you're like cycling stress about because you cannot answer it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good to try to answer it. It's like, okay, well, maybe that's not a high quality question. Yeah. And maybe we have permission not to answer it. I love that. I love some questions can be left unanswered. For a person who likes checklists, that's a very difficult, that's a very highly advanced cognitive function to yeah. be able to do that, right? Yeah. And it's so interesting because I often coach, not the opposite, but a different angle of the prism where my clients are coming to me with all these questions and like, okay, slow down, let's answer all of them. Because sometimes you just live in this question that cre creates so much, it's like, what will I be doing in five years? Okay, let's answer that. Well, I don't know. Well, what will you not be doing? I probably won't own a tomato farm. Okay. Probably. Let's start with what you won't. Like sometimes we need to just rule out, okay, these are the things I probably won't be doing. Okay. I'll probably be doing something creative. I'll probably be using my values as a decision filter. Oh, in five years, I'm going to set up my life so that my only decision filter is my values. And I'm going to spend the next four years figuring out how to do that. What I'm precisely nice. doing on the day-to-day -day doesn't matter so much. That's it. Now I have a place to go with my brain. Also permission to answer it not in the way your brain thought you needed to answer it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is usually what coaches help you figure out because you'll bring us something and we'll be like, well, what if we answer it this way? Yeah. And that's something I got from you so often. One thing that you were on it, this is, a, this is the S in soul-centered communication. One yeah. thing that you're so good at always reminding everyone of is like, don't forget to ask this question. What would a solution look like? Yeah. Don't forget that you're interested yeah. in a solution. And if you're not, totally permission to stop talking about this problem. Exactly. Move on. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. But sometimes we ask ourselves, like, what would satisfy me here? And you have to ask 10 times. Sometimes you need to ask 10 times. Is like, <gasps> I want everyone to just do what I want and be different. Yeah. And the sentence when we are able to have enough self-compassion, to have enough honesty, to say that that's what we actually want, then sometimes, I just just coaching on this the other day, um, somebody said, well, I really want my husband to do this very specific thing. Like, okay, let's go to the world, the alternate universe where that happened. Would you be satisfied? <laughs> she was like, probably not. I'm like, again, again. <laughs> so let, let's acknowledge... <laughs> Right? That our brain is always going to like hang on to something. It's what our brain does. And now we can just release that it has to look this exact way. And so for everyone listening, imagine you got the thing that you think right now is so important and that you most desperately want that it would be the thing. It would be the thing. Capital T. Capital T. Would you be delighted and satisfied? If yes, great. Keep trucking. Or maybe not. Would you then find something else to freak out over? Yes. And that's like, ooh, my face is cringing a little bit because that's it's literally, you know it's happened. You know you've actually ended up getting the thing you wanted and then your brain was like, but this problem over here isn't solved yet. And it's like, all right. And it's also a way to show ourselves that it's like peace in our hearts and questioning our thoughts and bringing loving compassion to ourselves is really all the things. We think we're gonna get these things and then these things are gonna feel amazing. And then we get the thing 
and it doesn't feel amazing. Like, why is that? It's like, oh, there is internal work to do. Because some people would be in the best situation ever of their lives and be the most frustrated they've ever been. And some people will be in really challenging situations and be the happiest people you've ever met. Like, why is that? Right? And then so much of it is, I think, a combination of your thinking and your feeling. Like, just feeling loving compassion for yourself, feeling loving compassion for other people, and then questioning some of the thoughts we have about how things should be. Which is so much easier to do outside your own head, <laughs> which is why we are lifelong consumers of coaching because yeah. we need the exact thing. That's the thing. It's like I coach my clients on this stuff, the same exact stuff that I came to you about. Yeah. And it's like we don't need to ever think of ourselves as like I should be smart enough to figure this out myself. I should be smart enough not to think this or not to care about this. It's like, no, you're just a human. You're just human. What I like to think about – you know, I, I, Kirsten and I both have very accomplished people that we coach, wildly successful people, leaders in their fields, right? I mean, think about it. Like, Kirsten is on the cutting edge of, like, decision science, right? And she's my client, right? So really distinguished, wild people. And I always think Olympians have coaches. Olympians are the best at what they do in the world, right? Whatever sport you follow, the world championship team has a coach that helps them win. And I think as coaches, you and I have a very similar just mindset about things, which is when someone works with us, we, our intention is never that they are more like us. It's always that you are more like you. Yeah, I don't know best for you. Yeah, it's always, and you know, I'm like a broken record with consult your highest inner wisdom. <laughs> yeah. We check in with her every week at the top of our call. Check in with her every week. And it's kind of like one of my clients asked me a very technical question about something. And then I gave her the answer. And I was like, well, it's this, 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 and this. And then at the end, I'm like, but consult your highest inner wisdom, whether the, even that is what you want to do. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that that is just an important distinction to, to have for anything that you're doing in your life, right? To think yeah. about these things where you could have a mentor, you could have a coach, you could have someone in your life who helps you with something. And it could just be somebody who lights you up to be in their presence. Yeah. Oh, which you do. That's so perfect. I love it. Okay. I didn't prep you, but I have three questions to ask you. I'm but ready. they're not hard. They're fun. Um, and then I want you to tell everyone who is obviously going to hire you because they're like, duh, this sounds like so much fun. I want to get in on this. Um, tell them where to find you. Okay. So, oh, and the first question we already talked about because it was like, how are how are people going to know if they should hire a coach and what do they what do they what do they do? Oh wait, ask me. Ask me. Wait, hold on. Okay, what? You guys, this is happening live. So. I feel like we're talking to that. I, I look over here as if they're, if they're yeah, listening. Like the right. live studio the audience. Yeah. Okay. Ask me again fresh because I might okay. answer something different. I don't know. Okay. That's – yeah. Love it. <laughs> what should – if somebody thinks like, I think I want coaching, what should they do? Okay. Number one – I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Number one, what is the thing you want to create? And does this coach help you do that? Because somebody listening to this right now is like, I totally dig this Maggie chick, but what I want to do is build a $7 billion oil industry busting, you know, environmental cleaning agency or something. I'm like, I cannot help you with that. I love you, but no, right? Yeah. So what is the thing you want to create? And can this person help you with that? Be really clear. So if somebody's thinking about hiring a coach, what do you want to get out of that experience? What would make, just like in solution-focused that we were talking about earlier or in soul-centered communication, what would 
resolution look like for you at the end? That's the like first filter, right? And then are you willing to do like the Avengers, whatever it takes, the discomfort, the emotional effort, I call it emotional heavy lifting. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get your goal? Not something that violates your values. We just talked for an hour about values. So it's not about that, but it's about being willing to be uncomfortable. And I was talking to someone the other day where they're like, oh, this person has this problem and we all know the solution. And I'm like, well, until they're willing to be uncomfortable and do it, no amount of us knowing the solution is going to help them. And I remember when I started working with my coach, I was like, I am willing to do whatever she's guiding me to do. That's aligned with my values, right? Obviously, that's my filter. But I'm willing to do I'm willing to try all the things. I'm willing to see what it's like. I'm willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing to like whatever I'm avoiding. I'm willing to meet it head on. Are you willing to do that? Because if not, I'll tell you this. I have seen it happen. People hire a coach and they think, oh, hiring the coach was the solution. There it is. Now I don't have to get uncomfortable. I I paid the money. So obviously I'm going to get the result. So number one, what would resolution look like? Number two, check in with yourself. Are you willing you don't have to be effective. You just have to be willing. It can be messy. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. We're not okay. here for perfection. Yeah. That's me. I love that because my in my frequently asked questions for the yeah. Decision Masters program, is this right for me? It's like, that's, yeah. a, that's a frequently asked question. Yeah. And one of the bullet points is like, you want to trust every decision you make and yeah. you're willing to do uncomfortable, probably uncomfortable things like setting boundaries, questioning yeah. assumptions, prioritizing yeah. yourself. Yeah. Let's agree from the get-go that you're going to have to like do things. Yeah. I also think that that makes it really, really simple because it was so for, – for people who do end up hiring me and joining the, the yeah. Discipline Master's program, they're yeah. like, yeah, I've second-guessed myself my whole life or I've always mm-hmm. thought I'm not doing enough and I, I'm super ready to not live that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I have no idea how to do that. And that's, yeah. that's what made my decision to hire you really easy. I was like, I want to prioritize my marriage, which is super new. Yeah. But I can foresee – making it very complicated and painful. And I was like, I have no idea what to do. And I I don't even know what we're going to talk about, but I like you and I like what you're selling and I know what I want. And it's important enough for me to get uncomfortable. Done. And that's another thing. I'm glad you said that because check in with your body when you are thinking about hiring any any vendor. Like I freaking love my freaking roofer. (laughs) <laughs> just fixes my roof once every few years. And it's like, like I looked at like all these different roofers and when I read their webpage, it was so detailed. It was so clear. It was clearly written for somebody who doesn't understand what roofers do so that I can understand what they do. And it's like, check in with your body. How does it feel when you interact with the podcast or you're reading the page or whatever it is? Like that's when you tune into your highest wisdom. It's like, oh, I like this person. And it feels good to learn this way. Mm-hmm. Because I've also seen, and I've had this happen to me as a coach, where I like something somebody's teaching, and then I don't maybe care for their teaching style or the particular way they do certain things. And I'm like, oh, this isn't really the best fit for me. Yes. So helpful to know. Yeah. I love that. Okay. What's question two? Okay. What kind of decision maker do you consider yourself to be? Ooh, I'm the do 54 pages of research and then make a decision. Decision maker. What category is that, Kirsten? That's the category my husband's in. Yeah. (laughs) So I remember um, when I was going to buy my cell phone, 
I like, or when I, back in the day when we had iPods, you know, iPods, I guess have been retired, but back in the day I was going to buy an iPod and I literally like looked up anybody who remembers the Microsoft Zune. Like I looked up all the devices Wow, <laughs> and then I was like, "Nope, this is what I've decided. This is what it's going to be, you know, whatever." And so, and then the same thing, like when I buy a phone or something like that. I like it's very interesting though because for certain decisions, like values, it's seasonal. For certain decisions, I do a lot of research and I take my time. Yeah, and that, and then for other decisions, I will have an intuitive hit. Like I need to do this. I need to do it right now, and it maybe have already built up the data. So I kind of already have, I don't have to go and research it because it's already in me maybe, but for some decisions, it's like, this is the thing. This is it. I don't need any more data. This is, yeah. So I kind of fluctuate between both. I love it. Okay. And then what's the most self-honoring decision you've made in the last week that you want to share with us? The most self-honoring decision that I've made, I'm thinking about in the last week. I think the most self-honoring decision was I woke up with a, a throbbing in my knee and I decided I had to go to urgent care and check it out. And I had to cancel some things and rearrange some things and and like accommodate for that. That was a very self-honoring decision. Um so that was one that it was like, oh, it was a little uncomfortable to reorganize some of the things I had to do, but it was fine. And then the other one, I'm going to give two, because like, why not? Yes. Um, it was, I just celebrated my birthday. So I'm like in my birthday Happy glow. Birthday. Wait, confetti. Yay. Yes, confetti. I love you have confetti at your desk. I love that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so good. Um, I value connection connection is one of my values right i'm a marriage coach it's like very on brand <laughs> but it was very self-honoring because i asked for what i wanted for my birthday so we had dinner with my bestie and her parents and then we had brunch with my parents-in-law and our cousins and i told my husband oh why don't we see if our cousins are available maybe they can join us and it was so it felt very self-honoring to just say this is what I want. I'm okay if I don't get it. It's fine if they're not available. I just had the idea from Monday to the next. But if they're available, it would be really nice. And they were available. And it was really nice. Yay. I love it. I love thinking about self-honoring decisions. You're just taking a, like taking an inventory. Just yeah. remind yourself. I do. I do make self-honoring decisions. Okay, Kirsten. I'm going to put you on the spot because I feel like this is fun. What is the self-honoring decision you've made in the last week? Because I know everybody listening would want to know. So I'm asking for a friend. Oh, friends. <laughs> that's fun. I'm like, oh, it is. This is hard. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, I have two things that come to mind too. Love it. So I have been very, very tuned into lately. My need for connection. This is like a wacky business that we're in. I'm so in love with my business. I love my clients. And I used to work in theater with human people, <laughs> surrounded yeah. by people all the time. Yeah. I miss the feeling of community. Yeah. I made the self-honoring decision to join yeah. my next mastermind with yeah. a, a new business coach who's your friend, Samantha yeah. Suffering. Hey, Samantha, and, we love you. <laughs> um, and then w- the, the other decision that comes to mind, my husband's husky only had one good eye and he woke up 
going blind in his one good eye on Friday. The self-funding decision was not taking him to the vet and like dealing with all of the the hours of, of stuff, but it was like letting myself not feel guilty for not getting more done. Yes. It was like it was like a really heartbreaking emotional day. And I know people listening have this same like churning voice in their head that's always like, you know, you're not getting enough done. You know you should be doing other things. Okay. Listen, people who think this, okay? Like lean in. I just leaned in here. I just leaned in. Okay. Listen, people who think this. This is one of my favorite quotes in the history of my life. You've heard me say it. It's oh, from, yeah. In it's it. From, yeah. Listen, it's, you guys. Listen. <laughs> it's from Samuel Johnson. To be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. So if we think, oh, I haven't done enough, this and that and the other and whatever, well, wait, what was, what's the point of doing all those things? Is to be happy at home. That's the point. Now, we can take home to be your physical home, your emotional home, your mental home. Like, we can take home and really put, like, expand it out. But when you're feeling that guilt, it's like, hold on. To be happy at home is the ultimate result of all ambition. That's another thing I use as a decision filter is like, wait, this thing, well, does that make me happy at home? Uh, no, <laughs> then it's a no. I'm so happy that you said that because that's literally one of the things that was like the gold nugget, you guys, when you coach with Maggie, which you inevitably will, she'll drop these like wisdom bombs that are just like, oh, it's just something I said that day. But it's like one of your wisdom bombs that you said really early on too, because I talk about this often, this like yeah. never doing enough, must be yeah. productive, blah, blah, blah. And you were, you offered me that. Yeah. And it like shook me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so happy that we got back to it because I was yeah. – I would be yeah. really sad if we left this conversation without you sharing that with everyone. Because I love that so much. Okay, so when people do want to hire you, where do they go? How do they find you? What should they do? The best place to find me is my website. It's MaggieReyes.com. R-E-Y-E-S, like a ray of sunshine. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the Maggie Reyes. And I always like to joke around because Reyes in Spanish is like Smith for people, right? It's like there's a million Maggie Reyeses, but too bad. So sad because I'm the Maggie Reyes on Instagram. Yeah, official. <laughs> Maggie Reyes official. That will be the one in Spanish. I love it. Um, so those are two places to find me. I also have a podcast called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. Podcast. If you are in a long term relationship and you do want to hear more of this style, this approach, come on over. I have like over 100 episodes. Just binge, enjoy, have fun, laugh. We laugh a lot on the podcast. <laughs> As we yeah. need to. Soul yeah. medicine. Yeah. Thank you so much for having this conversation with all of us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. What a joy. What an honor. I love the decision anchors. I love all of our new analogies. Sunscreen yeah. for everybody. <laughs> Hey, did you love this episode? Well, guess what? The Decision Masters program is enrolling right now. If you're ready to trust every decision you make and stop living in overthinking agony, you will want to check this out. Get all the details at kirstenparker.com forward slash DMP. That's kirstenparker.com forward slash DMP. I will see you in the Decision Masters program.